I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. I've never uh, been prouder of any team I've ever coached. Would have been a lot better if they just counted Eric shot and we could have gone home two hours ago. But uh, I'm just proud of these guys for hanging in there, and especially Paul, because Paul was just... I can't describe how awful he was for most of that part of that game. And for him to come up and make some of the plays he made, finally, he was even smart enough to miss the dunk so he could get a three-point play. And I kept kept blowing layups at the end of the game. I kept just praying and asking God, just please let me make some type of big play, and hopefully we come up with this victory. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't even feel my legs right now. Um, you know, it was, it was a tough game. We battled it out. It's just, it's just great that we got the victory. But uh, we got to turn around, you know, today and and, <laughs> and and get a big win over West Virginia. I can think of about six different times that we, I think we controlled or had the, either a lead or a chance to take the lead at the end of four or five of the of overtimes. And we found ways not to do that. And Syracuse found a way to win the game. I'm sure when the summertime, I'll look back and say, what a historic battle it was. Right now, it's a loss, and there's no other way. I mean, you know, we wanted to get to Friday. We didn't get to Friday. The date was March 12, 2009. The Syracuse Orange were 24-8 after beating Seton Hall 89-74, heading into their second Big East tournament game in as many days. They'd face UConn for the second time of the season. The first game between the two teams was played in Connecticut, and the Orange lost 63-49. This time in Madison Square Garden, the Big East tournament in front of a sold-out crowd of 19,000. 375 fans. The game tipped off at 9.36 at night and it finally ended after six overtimes at 1.22 in the morning. The game that spanned two days took three hours and 46 minutes to complete. I'm Sean alongside my good buddy Joe. This is Q-Story, the six overtime game, Syracuse in Yukon. So let's relive the the Syracuse UConn six overtime game together. I spent three hours rewatching this game the first time, and then I watched. <laughs> I actually watched all six overtimes again just to uh, just to prepare and refresh my memory on on what had happened. Just an amazing game, you know. It, hands down, Joe, probably the ultimate cardiac Cuse game. I mean. With UConn only yeah. only getting it up to a six point lead and the missed shots and how close 
they were to winning before overtime and then during some of the overtimes. The the constant miscues from UConn as well. I mean, they had a couple yeah. shots to win it in overtime. It was just amazing. 244 total points would be scored in that game. 102 of them coming in overtime. The 244 points that would shatter a Big East tournament record of 189 when Villanova and Pittsburgh played two overtimes in March of 1998. So, and I mean, Joe, what'd you think when you went back and watched it? Oh, the funny thing about it was, again, obviously, I, I think we all know it was a great game, but going back and just rewatching it, uh, just how many big plays and, and big players, big name players, uh, players that played in the NBA got drafted, how many big plays I remember was one of the biggest things that resonated with me, just going back and looking at it and actually realizing how fresh a lot of plays and a lot of things in that game uh, were when, when I actually saw him again, it was like, yeah, I remember, I just, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, I went through and I watched it too, just like you did, you know, watch the first half, watch the second half, broke it down to kind of, but it's hard. You, you know, you want to look at all the first half and the second half, but you know, all the, <laughs> I know, you know, all, that, the, all the meat and potatoes was in the overtimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so. the, the game itself. I, the one thing, I guess the one thing that I would remember specifically or, or that I didn't remember specifically about the game that I realized when I watched it is how absolutely aggressive both teams were. And like the, you know, Oh, yeah. Just the absolute rivalry between these two when it was the Big East and, you know, the refs letting them play. You know, yeah. it's like. Oh, they let them play. All right. They let them play. They let them play. Yeah. And it was a, it was brutal. So, I mean, what yeah. did you think? Did you remember it like that? Did you remember that all how rough and aggressive both sides of the ball were from both teams? Oh, yeah. I definitely remember that. I didn't. I remember the first half being the way that it was. Kind of forgot the. You know, eight minute drought from both teams there when it was 40 to 44, it seemed like forever. I know we went back and, and when I looked at it, I think the first eight minutes of the second half, I think we had three field goals and six turnovers. So but then we turned it around and 356 left to go. Uh, we were up seven. So for a little while there in the second half, especially near the end, it looked like we were going to win that game. So even rewatching it, I'm looking at it like, how did you kind of come? How did we let them sneak back in here? But I, I know, and and then they could say the same thing about every single overtime. Overtime with oh, exactly. those first five, I should say, because as we'll go over in a minute, we just pulled away in the second. But the aggressive yeah. play, I I took some clips. There's there's some some great audio. Let's listen. for the foul as he went swinging around and knocked down a couple orange. What a shame because he made some rebounding effort. Three fouls on Gavin Edwards. That's the 10th Connecticut foul. They have a double bonus the rest of the way when it's not offensive. What a big time snatch. And you can see that loose arm just to extricate himself. Ooh. And Leo, Leo, Leo never took a shot like that because he wasn't under the glass that often. But Andy showed some toughness. Trying along the baseline. Turn it over. That's two. He's got to use his head under control. He can be solid and then occasionally a little Anna, reckless. Anna Walker just threw the beat to the ground. <laughs> he turned the beat Turn around. <laughs> Well, you mentioned earlier some banging that goes on in this building. Sometimes not in the boxing ring either. He's a fraction of a second away from its fourth straight loss. 
in Big East tournament play. Now they have the ball in a three-point lead with just more than two minutes left in overtime. Price oh, lost it. Flynn walks away. There was contact as Adrian tried to run back and no call as he got knocked down. I don't think he was going to catch Flynn, but he was knocked down. Even though Sherman called for a foul. I mean, that was a silly play. They got away with it. And Stanley Robinson <laughs> has been cramping up. Number of the players on both sides right now look winded. Of course, Syracuse played last night. Connecticut did not. That and this is the place. Now watch this, Sean. There's no way that that can't be called. It would have wiped out the goal. It doesn't make sense to be involved in it. He didn't get in front of him. <laughs> yep, you're right. Right? I mean, he's yep, right. you're right. Ah. Jim Calhoun complained about it, and the officials basically said it was incidental contact. Clearly not incidental. Now, Diemendorf, you could tell there, was intentionally running into the path of Adrian to make contact and wound up knocking him down. <laughs> I mean, he just did. He yeah. just did. He ran right into him, and he mm -hmm. didn't even need to. They were six foot, uh, six eight foot behind the ball. Yeah. So I'll tell you what. That was another thing too. The, those announcers going back, Sean McDonough, oh, Bill Raftery, Jay Billis. I, I mean, was that was just about just to an say awesome that. call. That's a, a, a great mean, trio, right? Right. We get two a game now most of the time, and yeah. with those three, Billis, Raftery, and McDonough, just brilliant. And you you look yeah, back on yeah. that and you say it could there was no trio that could have called that game any better than those. Oh three. no! And the banter back and forth in the overtime is just great. So and I love Raftery. I mean, just one of the best, really. Yeah. So UConn, what they had to struggle to kind of scrap scrap back in and get into the game at the end of the of the half, right? And yeah, they got back in and then you know basically to close the game out, we all knew what happened. Well, we had a chance. We right. Had a chance. We had a chance. And if Devendorf might have, like they, like the, like I think it was Raftery, he said if Devendorf would have trimmed his fingernails, it may, it may have been, it may have never been a six overtime game. Fifteen seconds to go. Walker into the lane, back out for Austri. Under ten to go. Austri dribbling. Austri heaves one up. The beat snatches and lost it. Walker all alone to lay it in. One point one to go. Timeout, Syracuse. 1.1 to go. Length of the court. Yeah. The beat kept it alive. And Walker snuck in to finish it. Watch Flynn setting the screen on him. Whoa. The beat did make contact with Flynn. It's an airy pass. Devendorf at the buzzer. Good! Good! They will check it. But if it stands, it's a Syracuse I know it. buzzer feeder to beat Connecticut. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still want to get the board. Jumping on the score table. Guys. Yep. Look at the deflection right to him. I think it's good. Ooh. <laughs> Well, there's separation there, but it's also on all zeros. Wow. How much closer can you get? Let's look up you here. You can't without, without having to be good, right, Joe? Boy. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It is simultaneous, it, it seems. Uh. Now, if they cannot ascertain, they have to have signaled whether... It's hard to... Ooh. It's like one more ten. It's like it's still on his yeah. fingertips there. Yeah. yeah. With the clock at all zeros. You're about to make a decision. Yeah. 
And I think they're going to wave it off. They did. Mm. And the right call. You have to prepare yourself now for overtime. Oh, yeah. Get ready. It's going to be a tough one for Devendorf and for Syracuse, but it's, it's so funny because they said you got to prepare yourselves for overtime, and it's going to be a tough one. Uh, yeah. just, they had no clue what was in store for them. And no. that, that play, Joe, goes down in Syracuse history along with, like, the Pearl half-court shot in a way, that iconic image of Devendorf on the table, and it didn't even count. And it was, yeah. it was just that good, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it was that good of a play, and I think because of what the game ended up becoming, I think that was the reason why that kind of, you know, cemented. I don't think you see that play being played over and over again if Connecticut goes in and beats us after the first overtime. So that, I think it had a, a little point. bit to do with it uh, had to do with the just the, the everything. Yeah, the you know the urban legend of the six overtime game. Actually, right. you know, I mean, it just goes it goes because along it with the whole late, night because right. it was it was one tenth away from never happening. Exactly. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. That's um, why it's such a, a huge huge play when it comes to this game. Yeah. Because this might it might not have become what it became if there was one more tenth or he clipped his fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was what 71 71 71 71 and it, it was tough going into it because it did seem like there were some guys who got some tired fouls maybe some foul you know usually you don't play for overtime in in the regulation right so right you know guys aren't holding back fouls based exactly. upon yeah. if they're gonna play six overtimes right. let alone one overtime you know so what, what worried me going into it obviously was our mental, our mentality going into it uh, after being, you know, that close to winning and knowing that you got to go into overtime against a team like this, you got multiple players. I think we had three players at that point with four fouls. Yeah, uh, it was Rick Jackson, Onuaku, Onuaku, and Ojanat. And Ojanat, yep. Yep. Um, yep. So, so yeah, that, those are the things that I was and, worried about. And I can remember being worried about that ten years ago. So yeah, and Syracuse played the night before. UConn had to buy coming into that game, so they were fresh. Yep. And Syracuse yep. was, you know, going into overtime and, and a second straight game playing basketball. And, you know, by the way, uh, which doesn't get me, these were two ranked teams at the time, too. Syracuse was ranked 20th. UConn was ranked 4th. They were ranked in the right. top five during this game, which is amazing. So the first yep. time, the first overtime starts, 71-71. Connecticut led by 4, 80-76. There was a minute 31 left. Routens hit a 3, okay? And then Stanley Robinson from UConn went to the free throw line. And it was, they, Syracuse was down by 2. 81 to 79. It was Flynn coast to coast, dumping it off. <laughs> That's a this, this play. Now, if you listen to this, I appreciate everybody listening to this, but get, if you get the chance, go at least watch the overtimes because this play with Johnny Flynn driving to the basket and dumping it back to Rick Jackson down by two and, and setting up the tie was brilliant. Weakest free throw shooter on the floor for Connecticut. And the first one spun off. No timeouts for either team. So to make or a miss, the players are on their own without the benefit of any more help in a timeout from these Hall of Fame coaches. Now this will decide what they try to do at the other end. Kimba Walker cannot allow Johnny Flynn to get the ball. <laughs> they made one out of two, a two-point game. Two to tie, three for the lead, or perhaps the win for Syracuse. No timeouts left. Reminiscent of Marquette Villanova early today. Flynn heads for the bucket. Flynn with the beat on him. Off to Jackson. Still time for UConn. No 
timeouts. 4.7 to go. Got to come up and play him. Yeah, Syracuse lets them inbound the ball to Walker. With two, Walker contested and will head for double overtime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Does it get any better? I mean, <laughs> that play was beautiful. Rick Jackson with the slam at the end of that one. And then heading, heading, going into the second well, overtime. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just going to add uh, kind of to what you – I mean, one of the things that I was looking at and kind of jotting down as I was watching it is I knew that there was eight people that fouled out. And we were talking about the, the foul trouble. And Christoph Ojanat, he fouled out within 30, the first 33 seconds of the, uh, the first overtime. It's 427 left. So – Right off the bat, we had um, one of our big guys out. I thought he had played a pretty good game. And, again, just the way that, uh, that we took – we came back from four within a, with a minute and a half to go. It was, a, it was a overtime where you could tell both teams were coming out and trying. I mean, we both scored, what, 10 points. So they came yeah. out early hitting shots, and, and we kind of matched them. And then we had that little spurt at the end where we tied it up. And it, it was – you could tell <laughs> no team was going to back down. Even after the first overtime, you could tell. And um, based on what you were saying about uh, Johnny Flynn, if you are somebody or a Syracuse fan that's never got to see Johnny Flynn play, you got to go on YouTube and just look up oh, yeah. his look up his, <laughs> you know, just the, the highlights in Syracuse and everything like that. Because uh, he was one one special point guard. We only had him for two years, and especially this year that we were watching him, it was a very special year. And and you know, you wish you could have point cards like that, making plays like he just did. So Yeah, and heading heading into the uh, second overtime, it was 81-81 at the end of the first. Yeah. And not a whole lot of offense in this overtime. Connecticut no. led by three with under two minutes left. Well, just about two minutes, 158. Flynn converted a three-point play to tie it after Connecticut made some free throws. Devendorf, he converted one of two from the charity stripe, and Connecticut had four field goal attempts in the last 35 seconds. Of- oh, that was a scramble. It was a scramble. That was a scramble. That, was a, that, that whole thing, it went from the first overtime looking like a poised, you know, poised teams that were ready to go in and get it done in the first five minutes, and then the second one, it looked like kind of – they are kind of, of – I don't know, scrambling. It just seemed like they were just trying to, I don't know. I don't know if they were tired or they were just trying to get it done, but there was a lot of scrambling, a lot of, I mean, this was the first of many overtimes where Paul Harris had missed a few right. just right there at the soon. rim. It looked like Onuaku, he got tired, and with a minute 18 to go in the second overtime, he got a frustration foul. Um, that's what it looked like, a tired foul, whatever, but he fouled out for the game with 118 to go in the second overtime, and like I said, the, the two biggest things is it was just a sloppy second uh, second overtime. Harris missed a couple uh, chippies down low, and Kemba Walker back rimmed that last second shot. That last second three by Kemba, that was I, – I believe he was a freshman. So he was. I mean, we at that time didn't know what he was going to turn into, and you know you could you could look up different videos and look up what he did his senior year or his last year at UConn. It's just is incredible. But you know for him to come in and, and he played pretty good, I thought in the spot that he played for Jerome Dyson, who was out uh, one of their better guards. But he back rimmed that three man, and it was just <laughs> I was really really nervous because that shot looked good. Yeah, and here it was. You want to play three? It looms as a possibility. Price, Walker, with Adrian Thabate and Robinson. And Adrian, the guy that's been very helpful in that foul line area. There he is. 
And he has Walker oh. passed up an open three in favor of the drive. The miss. Oh, Robinson in the right spot. Fabit tried to flush it. Walker is there. Rejected by Jackson. And it hit Walker on the way out of bounds. How good is that action? Wall to wall. <laughs> Effort. Extension. Involvement. The cheap. Syracuse ball. Jim Beheim held up one finger. He wants the last shot of the second overtime. Wants the chance to win it without giving Connecticut that chance. Walker guarding Flynn. 12 seconds to go. Double overtime. Flynn very near the center court line. Jackson screams for him. Flynn from deep. No. Mm. Four seconds to go. Ahead it goes to there Walker is. for the win. Oh. Off the back rim. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Wow. We have seen a lot. This is as good as I've been involved in. What do you think? Unbelievable. I thought that Johnny Flynn kind of settled for that jump. Yeah. Yeah, he took a quick yeah. shot. They could have, at the very least, they could have taken the last shot. And that's, well, what, that's what Coach wanted him to do. It ended up in the second overtime, 87-87. Yeah, and I remember back when I was watching it live that I thought when Kemba Walker, when that left and it looked good, I thought we were – we were going to get punished for Flynn making a mistake because I thought that he should have taken it to the hole and tried to be aggressive and get to the line or should have definitely at least waited to where it was the last shot. Uh, and like what like Billis said, he settled for an outside jumper and it almost came back and bit us. But, you know, it didn't. And on to the third overtime. <laughs> uh, yeah, they I mean, start the third overtime, 87-87. Syracuse would be down by as much as six. This would be the largest lead for UConn all night. But the Orange yep. would come back by doing what? By putting on the press. That's what yes, they would sir. do. They'd get back in the game. Each team scored 11 points again at the end of the buzzer, tied up. Anything before I play the end of that one? Yeah, this this was, again, a, a – uh, it was a, a strong overtime. There's 11 points scored by both teams. The key fallout on this one was Stanley Robinson falling out with 2:59 to go, and um, he actually he had a great game. He was all over the place. He had a season that was a season high. His best game, 29 points in that game. We did we let, like you said we were losing by six points uh, with 3:09 and then with 2:06 and then you know Andy Routens I know he hit a two pointer and or no he hit two free throws I'm sorry and Johnny Flynn got a steal after that that led to some points and again Routens he he stepped up and he hit some big solid threes throughout these overtimes to keep us in games and you know he hit that that three with 11 seconds to go it sealed the deal for for another overtime. Well, don't foul him. They wanted to foul of somebody else. Price the veteran short. Dean going to tell him he's wrong. I don't care if you played last night or you didn't. Connecticut didn't. Everybody has to be tired now. Timeout Syracuse. Timeout Syracuse. Jim Beheim before the game, said his biggest question was, can we rebound? And lately, they haven't. Even if Price <laughs> makes this, still a one-possession game. And if Syracuse can get something going to the basket... He can still go for a two, but that may open up a three. After three straight misses by the Huskies, a make by Price. Three-point game, 20 seconds to go, third overtime. And now the usual question, if you're Connecticut in the right situation, do you foul before they can shoot a three? Routens makes it a oh! point. Yes, he Routens for three. 12 seconds to go. Plenty of time for Connecticut and a timeout. Got to get to the rim. 
Price, a deep NBA three just short. Adrian at the buzzer. No. Overtime number four. And triple overtime agrees with the Routens family. <laughs> How good is this? Leo, you're going to have to move over on the couch, baby. Your son has. <laughs> so, so I mean, the calls are so good, man. I had to put, oh, yeah. I had to put them in there. You have uh, to. It was part of. It was part of the. Uh, it's part of the event. Yeah, so absolutely. to speak. Now you know. Yeah, ninety-eight, ninety-eight. The at the end of that, and just. Um, <laughs> and I want to throw in there too that there was another part in that overtime, in that third overtime. Where Paul Harris had a, cu- a couple chippies that he missed as well. So, yeah, he did, and he had a bunch all night. But the, the, it's so funny because at the end, well, of- that was that was why Jim Beheim said what he said in the beginning. Oh yeah, absolutely. about him being because he missed so many up close, and he did it. I mean, I, I went back. I, I see I, it's in my notes. He did it the second, the third, and the fourth overtime. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I, there are specific times where he had right near the rim, missed it. And even had, in some occasions, his own rebound and still missed the next one, too. Yeah, so. putting him back right under the rim. There's uh, a reason why he had 22 rebounds. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and UConn, with the chance again at the end yeah. of an overtime to just put this thing away and put Syracuse out of their misery, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, so, no. Mind is- you, too, by the way, that's a team going into that overtime. You know, they're starting five and everyone – those are five players that played in the NBA – no, they didn't all get drafted. I think four out of five of them got drafted. I don't think Jeff Adrian did, but I think Jeff Adrian played in the league for a couple of years. So it was a, there's a strong, strong UConn team. And Gavin Edwards came in, and he played very well off the bench too. So it was Rick Jackson following out and at the in the uh, fourth overtime here. And who yep. would come in? Early too, the first 30 seconds. Yeah, and who would come in for... Rick Jackson, none other than Chris Joseph, a young Chris Joseph, <laughs> would come into the game, and they put him at yeah. center, uh, a position <laughs> First he did minutes not, of the game. <laughs> a position he does not play. And then Price would hit a field goal, Connecticut up by two. Devendorf answered right back to tie the game again for the 20th time with 151 left at this point, 20 ties already. You know, <laughs> yeah. each team would have two more possessions, but the score never changed, and it ended at 104-104 at the end of the fourth. Yeah, and uh, again, a low scoring. Um, yeah, another six points in five minutes for each team. Yeah, well, this was when, again, people started, it, like you said, Rick Jackson, he followed out at the 424 mark, and Hashim beat followed out at the 351 mark. So this is basically when they lost their center, and we lost pretty much all of our centers. So... And, you know, Thabit, he followed out with 19 points, 14 rebounds, six blocks. He, he had a good game, but it was it was good to get him out of there because he was a problem down low. And uh, the other big thing that I remember seeing was Johnny Flynn being able to get to the rim there for about 40 seconds to go. And he missed he missed a layup that he would hit probably nine out of ten times. I mean, the look on Beheim's face. I mean, I went back and watched it again, like you said, um, to this morning and the look on Beheim's face is like, oh, I've seen him make that. You know, yeah. every every time he takes it. So right. it was a great drive, and it was a reverse. It just bounced off the rim weird, and you know, Harris missed a couple at the rim again in that overtime, and um, it was just another sloppy one where some main guys just fouled out, and again, like you said, tied one hundred four to one hundred four. <laughs> we had Chris Joseph playing center. I know, <laughs> so. and, they, and no one knew who he was. Imagine that. Here's here's yeah. the, here's the call at the end of the fourth. Shot clock and the game clock. 
One timeout left for each team. Price will handle with Austrian Walker, Edwards and Adrian. Fabit and Robinson have fouled out for Connecticut. I get into something now. Don't get stuck late in the shot clock. They're up on Price. He gets an Edwards screen. Eight to shoot. Price, floater, no. Routens has it and has time. Seven seconds left. Routens has help. Flynn underneath. Harrison close. Missed again. Harris one more time. No. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There for Paul Harris at the rim tonight. Oh. What better opportunity? No Thabit, no dice. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Jim Beheim wanted the foul. We got a five-bagger. Well, they don't call those readily. No question. Crunch time. Yeah, 104-104 at, at the end of that one. And going into the fifth overtime, Price, he would score the first four points of the fifth overtime. And then Devendorf was called for his fifth foul. Now, since we've got all of our, our – those are our foul outs. There was eight foul outs in the game, four from our team, yeah. four from their team. Here's a call on all of ours. Yeah, and a foul. That's who? Robinson. Robinson wasn't in at the end of regulation. He's fouled by Ongenon, and he has fouled out. And yep. that is a big story as we enter overtime because there is foul difficulty aplenty on both sides. Ongenon gone. Onawaku has four fouls. Jackson with four for Syracuse. Shostry the miss. Tipped out, and there's a foul. And a it's on Syracuse, I believe. It's on Onowaku, and he has fouled out. Jackson gets called for the charge, and that's a big call. The beat playing with four fouls. <laughs> and Jackson has fouled out. <laughs> Make him shoot over. Price again splitting the defense. He's done it all night long. And now Devendorf has fouled out, and they'll have to go to another player who hasn't played a second all night long. Well, what a play by Kemba Walker. Save this ball, and a nice catch alert by Jeff Adrian. That's a winning play by Kemba Walker. Come up big, picked up that charge, that particular play. Devendorf, 22 points, four assists, and of course, on a historic night when many images will be remembered, none more so than his three at the buzzer that was waved off at the end of regulation when it looked like he had given Syracuse a three-point lead. Justin Thomas, a walk-on, has come in for Syracuse. He has played in nine games this year for a total of 21 minutes and has scored four points all season long. That's how deep down the bench they are now. And that was it. Justin Thomas would come in. Who's Justin Thomas? <laughs> you know, he was someone. <laughs> Walk on guard. He was someone that night. Flynn scored and then made two free throws. And he tied things up. And then, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Harrelson? Uh, yeah, hit, hit Harrelson. The, he made a little jumper, yep. Yep. And then Flynn, again, made two uh, more was free fouled. throws. Yep. And he made two more free throws. Like I said, he, he's, he's going to go 16 for 16 in this game. And Connecticut had two attempts in the last 15 seconds. But... They failed. It ended up <laughs> again yeah. with Connecticut yeah. at the end of the overtime with the ball. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's just that happened over and over again. It's just at this point, it seemed like this game was never going to end. You know, you thought Devendorf hit it and it, you know, it wasn't good. 
thought Kemba Walker was going to hit that last-minute jumper. Didn't do it. You know, then third overtime, they had a whole bunch of, what did you say, four four shots or three shots? And I mean, you just kept seeing over, I mean, Johnny Flynn missed a layup in the fourth overtime, and, and then they failed to do something. And then Harris comes down and misses it twice, point blank, right at the end. So at this point, you don't think that they're going to do anything. They come out again, fifth overtime, and it was slow, like you said. Uh, we got down four. Devendorf followed out with two minutes to go, and at that point, we still hadn't scored in the that overtime. And I don't know if it was just Johnny Flynn just knowing that he had to step up, but he uh, he scored, I think, with a minute 55 left in the that overtime. We scored the first points, and then he ended up getting four more. He was being aggressive and getting to the line, and he was scored all six for us, and he he himself kept us – Really, I mean, in the game at that point, you had an undersized what six seven guard uh, or six seven Chris Joseph in the middle yeah. with with uh, Routens and a Paul Harris on the outside, and then a walk on guard Justin Thomas up with with Johnny Flynn and you know UConn at that point they started getting they were starting to lose some guys too. It's Gavin Edwards who came off the bench and was one of their last you know solid big guys. He fouled out in that fifth overtime with 58 seconds to go. So. Again, it's just one of those things where it just didn't seem like it was ever going to end. It was just one of those matches that you just, you know, it almost seemed like it was like one of those Rocky fights, like the first couple ones where they're just like, like just on each other, just holding each other up. Can't, can't do anything. You know, I know it was ridiculous. It would, yeah. end, that overtime would end at 110, 110, the end of the fifth call right here. At 110 in the after or in the morning. Yeah, right. Johnny Flynn. <laughs> How does he have any gas left in the tank? Sean, you said it. He exploded to the rim. And now stepping to the line. This is big time pressure. He thought he missed that one. Had enough energy to hop up and down as it was on the way. He got the bounce. He's the owner of 30 points. Timeout, Jim Calhoun. Chance to win. Syracuse has made 13 out of 15 free throws in the overtimes. Price. Austri, seven seconds. Price, Flynn on him. Price from very deep, off the mark, in the corner. Adrian, no! <laughs> and that was a good look, man. It was. I thought Adrian was going to hit that. from New York City. <laughs> Adrian's had the last couple of finishing shots, unable to convert, but once again, settling deep. Uh, once again. UConn with the last shot of the overtime, and they just could not hit. That ends at 110-110 going into the sixth overtime. It was You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC, blasting (laughs) over the speakers inside Madison Square Garden, and that's how the sixth overtime would start. The Orange, they won the tip. Johnny Flynn was quoted as saying, guys, if we win this tip, we're going to win this game. Let's get this thing over with. Anyway, he was just – Johnny Flynn was just ready for this thing to end. And you want to talk about effort. You want to talk about someone never giving up. It was Johnny Flynn in this game. Oh, yeah. Because – And we were running out of guys. Both teams were running out of guys. Absolutely. They won the tip, and it was almost like nothing for Routens. He just drilled a long three. That was their first lead. Three points was uh, – In overtime. Their first lead in any of these overtimes. And Harris actually added back-to-back buckets and uh, free throws, pushed Syracuse out in front. You know, obviously, they, this is where they won it, but they got out in front 118 to 110. They and, don't run, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was, that was as close as Connecticut would get the rest of the game. And is, we could see it was, it was coming to a close. But, um, 
you know, just amazing, amazing game. You know, yeah. the, the they final. got within six there a couple times, but yeah, okay, yeah. Well, the the final on this was one twenty seven, one seventeen. Syracuse ran away with it with a couple of nobodies at the time, one being Chris <laughs> Joseph on the court. You know, obviously Chris Joseph would become a, a reliable player for us, but amazing. A freaking yeah. amazing. Now, we're going to get into everybody's stories. I've got some. I asked a question on, on, on the socials a couple of days ago asking for your stories of where you were. Everybody, yeah. Every big SU fan knows where they were during this game. And, you know, we'll go over that. But here was Coach and Johnny Flynn immediately following the win. Coach Beheim, you thought Aaron Devendorf had won it for you two hours ago in regulation. How did your team persevere and come out on top? I just got to tell you, I'm more proud of this team tonight than any team I've ever coached because we had nothing. We had nobody out there for a long time. Connecticut had their good players for a couple, three overtimes. We we finally got them out of there, and then it was kind of even. But the heart we showed coming back from six points down in one overtime, the plays we made, uh, I've never been prouder of a team uh, than these guys tonight. They just kept fighting. They would not lose this game. Uh, I'm very proud of this team. I, I can't say enough about them. And this guy next to you has got the biggest heart of anybody I've ever seen. Johnny Flynn was incredible. How terrific was his performance tonight, particularly in the overtime? He was unbelievable the whole game. I mean, he was he was really spectacular. I don't know how he could last that long and do what he did. Uh, I really don't. And he made some threes. I don't know where he got them from. You know, you draw up plays and you just hope. And tonight they work, but it's because of these kids. They were unbelievable tonight. All right, thanks, Coach. Johnny, what a game. What did you keep telling your teammates after each successive overtime? You know, first and foremost, I just want to give all the glory to God. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have put a game out like this. But, you know, I just kept telling my teammates, this is destined for us. You know, we're down five with one, one and a half minutes left, and somehow we come back and tie it up. I said, you know, we played this this long. All we could do is win the game. So I just give it to my teammates. We play hard and really got a good win over here. Congratulations on an incredible win. You got to play West Virginia oh, tonight, man. so get some rest. Definitely. <laughs> And, and they would. They would play West yeah. Virginia that day, and that game would uh, go into overtime. Go into overtime. <laughs> That'll be one. They did win. They won that game, uh, 74 to 69. Syracuse faced Louisville in the Big East Championship, but fatigue from the past yeah. few days set in, and the Cardinals yeah. will be crowned champs, 76 uh, 66 victory. So, yeah, man. Just an amazing run in the Big East tournament. A team, a really good Syracuse team. I forget how good that team was until I watched yep. that game. Totally different than what we've seen oh. the past few years. Oh, I talked about it today, right? About their yeah. big men. Just yeah. looking at the, the size of their big men. I mean, you only hope that that, that Dolce, well, that Dolce could, I mean, you'd hope to think that he could look like Ogenot by the time he becomes a senior. You know, I, I mean, you can't ask the same for our centers to be comparable to Onuaku. No, because that's not. just not going to happen. But just overall, seeing the physicality and like the will, I mean, you look at those guards with Devendorf and, and Flynn, the way that they could slash and they could pass with the, with the big, tough bodies that we had. I mean, it was a completely different type of team that we have you know today so it was it was it was great to go back and and, and overlook this this game again and, and kind of look at some of the stuff i mean dude i'm looking at you know box scores six players had double doubles yeah. six players had doubles those 10 40 minutes is in a full game a normal game and what 10 players played over 40 minutes another four played over 25 40 of 51 we shot from the free point the free throw line 
Yeah, it's amazing. Imagine if we could do something like that. So, you know, both yeah. teams had over 100 field goals. I mean, you look at some of these numbers. Uh, it's just 30, Paul, 39 for uh, they shot 103 field goals. Did you just say that? Yeah, well, both teams shot over 100 field goals. Yeah. 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 You know, Paul Harris 29 to 22. 10 of them offensive rebounds. Flynn 34 points, 11 assists. I mean, some of these guys just had there was just the stats lines were just ridiculous and like you said they just were. have that kind of stuff i mean flynn had 17 points in overtime alone along with harris he had 20 in overtime alone and uh aj price for connecticut he had 19 alone just in the overtimes and um johnny flynn if you counted that seton hall game with this game between those first two games of that big east tournament he played over 100 minutes that's crazy yeah and he yeah. he became the orange iron man of the 0809 season Oh and yeah. I don't know if there's been another player to even come close, but in in a season playing the minutes that he played throughout that season, he was almost never taken out of a game. And he played no, his 60, energy was crazy. I know. He played 67 to 70 possible minutes that night. He scored 34 <sighs> points, 26 of them in overtime like Joe mentioned. Flynn was 16 for 16 from the line and dished out 11 assists. Paul Harris 29 points, 22 rebounds. He was also great from the line, 13 to 14 before he fouled out after uh, 56 minutes. Devendorf obviously with one of the most iconic Syracuse basketball screenshots in history, jumping on the scores table after hitting that three in regulation to take the lead. As we know, it wouldn't count. But, you know, besides that image being amazing, his play was pretty good too. He had 22 points before following out after 61 minutes. And then you had Routon. I love I love the rebounds. <laughs> I know what. What? Let's see. What were they, what were they at? Seventy eight to eighty three. Seventy eight to eighty three. That's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. Just, yeah. It was just so. I mean, yeah. So just the numbers are so inflated because they played a game and a half. So it's just Routens with a with a huge three to tie it in one of the overtimes, and then a huge three to take the lead in the sixth overtime. Just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, the. To piggyback on the Johnny Flynn being the Iron Man, he played all 45 minutes of the very next night against West Virginia. <laughs> he didn't sit at all. Yeah, that whole crazy. game played yeah, the whole overtime. Played the whole overtime too. Yeah. Yep. So real quick, we asked everybody on social media, "Where were you? What do you remember about this game?" So I'll tell you my story. It's quick. Okay, it's disappointing. <laughs> so. No, it can't be as disappointing as mine. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I was laying in bed after the fourth overtime. I was still awake, and then uh, I woke up, and the TV was off. That's all I remember. Oh, shut up. I'm serious. I didn't get to watch the fifth and sixth overtime. I fell asleep. Oh, jeez. Never mind. (laughs) Was mine worse than yours? and And you were making fun of mine? At least I watched the whole game. Oh, my gosh. I fell asleep. I Ugh. I tried so hard. I was laying in bed. That's the worst thing you can do when you watch sports, I think, especially when they run late, is laying in See, bed. See, everyone that's listening, he wanted to do this podcast to give himself a reason to watch the fifth and sixth overtime. <laughs> oh, come on. That's I, what. <laughs> that's why he watched the overtimes twice, because he's already seen the other part. Yeah, right? So. <laughs> uh, it was it was disappointing. I was very, very disappointed. I was very upset. I was very well, upset. Well, I mean, that. that was – dude, don't – I mean, let's not get it twisted. It was a Thursday night, and I know, we're, I both on the, we're both on the East Coast. We both had to work. Or, I mean, I, I was in the same situation. I mean, I was up. I was just living with my brother Scott, and we had some people over, and we were up watching the game. I, I remember – 
waiting and hoping that the game was going to be over any overtime because I just saw the time and knew that I had to, you know, go to go to work the next day. But I still didn't take away from the fact that it was an amazing game and I was going to stay up no matter what and watch it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I fell asleep, man. I fell asleep. I'm so. How can you fall asleep during that kind of Bro, you have no idea. I had two little ones. Uh, they were they they were babies, still in diapers, mm-hmm. pretty much. Dylan was True. a little older, but my daughter was still. I was I was you know getting up at five o'clock in the morning. You know I probably stayed up till after midnight. I I, I don't know. I have no excuse. I'm no, like, I'm, I'm sure. Lame. I mean, I'm the, lame. The game didn't end till like one twenty two or something like that. So yeah. oh, so I was probably up later than that. I was probably up closer oh, yeah. to one o'clock. Yeah. So twelve forty-five ish. Don't yeah, give yourself too much credit. Okay. Uh, so I asked everybody on social media. I got some good ones. At Denise Moranti. Okay. At home <laughs> watching with my husband and ten-year-old son. This is great. I thought the kid kiddo really should have gone to bed. But this kid lasted longer than me. But how many chances in a lifetime do you see a game like that? Proudly, he just graduated from Syracuse University. That was a great game, and I remember how tired we all were the next day. <laughs> is that a cool story yeah. or what? That's awesome. Yeah. The kid and honestly, just graduated from Syracuse. I mean, too. I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely just kind of a, you know, cherry on top, you know, to that story, especially obviously for their personal story and being fans. But I, yeah, I respect, I respect any fan that kind of, cause that's how I am. It's hard for me to, I can't go to sleep. I just, I have to be, I have to watch the game. I look at it like the game's on. The game's on. It's late and the game's on. And I'm just going to have to just tough it up the next morning. So yeah. at Tony Staffieri at Madison Square Garden had to leave to catch the last Metro North before the third overtime. Not a day goes by. I didn't I don't wish I could have afforded a Manhattan apartment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, get could, home, don't don't us all. <laughs> <laughs> if I could afford a Manhattan apartment, I wouldn't get one. I'd get something else. But hey, right. you know what I'm saying? At Bleed Orange, bedroom watching with UConn fan husband. Ooh, man, that poor guy. Took power naps in between overtimes, <laughs> worked the next day. It was exhausting. If only Devo did not have such big hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. That last one sounded like your story. A little bit, except for she took naps in between the overtimes. I just fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, at J Evans BCBNJ something, sat next to a bunch of UConn fans, started out like any typical QC UConn game, uh, S-talking. By the end, we were all high-fiving, hugging, screaming. It was nuts. Definitely a game I'll never forget. Oh, and I missed the last train out of New York City. At Not Real Jim Beheim, senior year, spring break, Daytona Beach, made friends with the eternity of the hotel, which was full of Wisconsin kids all rooting on us. So that's nice. nice. At Jess G underscore SLP, we didn't have cable, so I was streaming through ESM, ESPN on my laptop. Uh, that must have been awful. Uh, <laughs> Especially <laughs> since it's not great now <laughs> that and must 10 have years been ago. Absolutely yeah. terrible. I remember yeah. getting texts from my sister and friend who are watching, but my view was on a delay compared to them, so I had to wait at least 30 seconds to read my text. Crazy game. <laughs> at Shell WM. Uh, screaming at the TV in my basement for the entire game, trying not to wake up the family. At J. Hurlbutt, 06. I was on spring break and went back to the hotel to watch the second half. Once the game ended, I went back to the bar in my Devo jersey. There you go. That's how you celebrate. Now, if I was on spring break, I mean, there's a great possibility I would not have fallen asleep if I was on spring break. But but some of us had to work. Probably. Some of us have to work. 
at yeah. at Casey Meek in our living room, holding my breath with every shot, thanking God I'm on the West Coast, three hours behind y'all because I wasn't going to bed till it was over. Then once it was, too excited to sleep. Yeah, I mean, if I would have yeah. stayed up, I could feel that definitely. That's the one thing. Yeah, the advantage of I being do, on the I West do Coast. Remember that. Oh, I yeah, and I remember that too. And I really, I can't honestly remember what time I did go to sleep, but I do remember the next day was. Hell. Brutal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at Jojo Russell SU was there. I will never forget how quiet it was walking out. Everyone was exhausted. Love the Big East. Miss it. I don't miss the Big East as much as I used to. There's just uh, there's, there's just, some nostalgia to it. There, you know, uh, especially there, uh, when you look absolutely. back and you see those kind of those kind of teams. You know, you know, when I went back and I saw those rosters and I saw, I mean, you know, I, I kind of miss. The- you know, you miss it a little bit. Yeah, That's yeah, a- I don't miss it as much as I used to. I'll just say that. We're building something new now. I mean, you know, those memories will be just as good as the Big East memory someday, you know, we hope. Yeah. At BP Bino 44, what I remember most was my first day at the new job was Friday morning and being extremely tired that day. Uh, <laughs> yep. But it was so worth it. From the actual game itself, Cuse never led in overtime until the sixth and final overtime. That's right, Paul. Would you listen already? Would you listen Damn. already? We just told you that. How'd you know? No, he just remembers, man. I, I know. Unlike some people that weren't awake. Fell asleep. At EJ62564, <laughs> at home and still cannot believe UConn missed so many opportunities to win. And that SU with freaking Justin Thomas on the floor. I know. You think if you're at UConn, you're like, we've got them now. Devendorf is out. You know what I'm saying? He, he got some rebounds and held his own, too. He yeah, got he did. That. He did. He actually, um, what did Justin Thomas do? Seven, I don't think seven he messed minutes, up. <laughs> seven minutes in one rebound and one block. So there. At Cuse Zach, he was at Chuck's. R.I.P. Chuck's. Best deal mm-hmm. that night was on bottles. Devo hits the shot. Uh, we What we thought was the end. Everyone jumps in. You hear a hundred of clanking beer bottles hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> what that must have been awesome down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Roberta says, uh, right in front of my TV until the last ball through the hoop. Greatest game ever. She's rubbing it in. She's rubbing it in. Chris says, home in my living room. Went to bed at 2 a.m. Up till up at six to go to work. Love Bob Costa's story about him being in Hawaii. I don't care about Bob Costa, but that's. Okay. <laughs> uh, Anthony says, Anthony was at Chuck's with Zach. I wonder if they uh, ran into each other. Uh, I was, I was, I was at, I was at Chuck's with some buddies, and remember jumping on the pool table multiple times. He must have been doing his best Devendorf impression. Uh, Anthony, a little nuts, by the way. He's a little nuts. So I can picture that. He's got. If you follow him on Twitter, he's at Tony Cuse forty four. And yeah, anyway, Paul, I remember thinking I was completely insane. It was completely insane to me to stay up through the end of the game several hours later at work. Yeah, I mean, yep. Right, Joe? That's what you thought? Oh, uh, yeah. I fell yeah, asleep. 100%. I fell asleep, woke up the next day, and was brushing my teeth, checking the score. And you wouldn't, I, I want, I was so happy. I didn't even think about it until later that I actually missed all that. But, you know, I mean, I could come on here and give you some wonderful story about how everything went down for me, but it would be a lie. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, it would. I mean, again, it just comes down to, I mean, where you were, where you yeah. were in your life. I mean, obviously, I mean, exactly. if you're a college student or, you know, younger or something and you were in a situation where you could have maybe done something like that. You yeah, know, but you, my thing is, too, is that 
I was freaking tired at work too. I remember being tired at work. I remember that next day work sucking, and I missed two overtimes. So, Jeffrey, I was on a seven-month deployment abroad, the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower and the Persian Gulf, watching bits and pieces of it between aircraft recoveries. Surprised to hear and see it was going well beyond regulation. Jeffrey, thank you for your service. If you were able to catch bits and pieces of that while you were working out there like that, man, hey, you know, you take that. So Yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's definitely – it's cool that he was even in a situation where he could – he could do that. So, yeah. yeah. I remember when I was overseas, it was the year after we, we won the national championship, and I barely got to see, I think, half the game, I think, in the, when we lost to Alabama in the Sweet 16 or something like that. So it's good to see that by 2009 they had better you know, better things for the military guys so that they could keep yeah. up with stuff like that because I had trouble doing that when I was over there. Yeah. So that is it. I'm glad you all participated in that. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for – for giving another Q-story a listen. We appreciate it. These are evergreen, so they, they, they can always yeah. be used up. And um, Give us your feedback. Yeah, give us feedback. Give us We've feedback. got so many more of these that we can do. It's not even funny. And they won't all be an hour. You know, I think the first one I did was 20 minutes. So I'm in... No, you get me on there, and I'm going to talk a little bit. So exactly what I was going to yeah. say. That's where yeah. I was going. Yeah. So that is and not it. only feedback, but also well, ideas. You know, I yeah, mean, oh, yeah. have would. some fans throw out there. If you got some interesting things that you might want us to to maybe do something like this for, you know, just throw it out there. Maybe we'll we'll give it a yeah. I'll we'll give it a thought. I'll, I'll I'll research anything and and put it on here. I enjoy it. It's fun. That's why we do this. We don't get paid for this. So, you know, yeah. come at us with your ideas. Give us your feedback. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening mm-hmm. again. And uh, as always, for Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Q's Militia Podcast, the fan's voice with Sean and Joe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience.
Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. 